What are you doing with your life? I'm sure that's a question you've pondered over the last two years more than ever. And I hope that it pushes you to get grounded in what really is important. As the urgency of life slows down, there is a good opportunity to do some introspective analysis and anchor yourself to what truly matters. So I pray that you spend your days wisely, valuing those around you and spending your time on things that truly matter. It's Saturday, November 6, 2021, and today we are discussing the following top stories. The ongoing battle with COVID, the new developments in the job market in light of the pandemic, Mark Zuckerberg's bold move, and a surprise guest at a Sunday service. Welcome to LifeRing, a podcast where we strive to provide you with a well-rounded review of what is going on in the world between Monday and Friday of this past week. My name is Alex, and I am delighted today to be joined by my friend and regular co-host, Vadim. Hello. Hi, Vadim. How are you? Doing good. It is as you say. We're back. We're yeah. tan. We're rested. We're ready. We're, we're doing this. Yeah. As for me, No Money in November is going pretty well. <laughs> that, that's not a joke, right? I mean, that, that's like half a joke. Every joke yeah. is a truth yeah. wrapped in a smile. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be back, and I'm looking forward to... Paying a little more attention to what is going on around us and sharing that with you, our listeners. There are some changes in this season. We've got some new guests joining us uh, down the road. And the format is going to be a bit adjusted. So now instead of top five stories, we're doing just four stories plus the lightning round. And sometimes maybe just top three stories. So let's get to it. All right. So as I looked at the news stories this week... uh, Man, it's it's been a while, you know, since we kept since we kept the pulse on most things. We hope you appreciate what we do here. Uh, we certainly enjoy, um, you know, getting a fuller picture of what's going on and analyzing it. And I thought it would be good to gauge uh, what's been going on so far in the world of COVID. Can we say that we were hoping that by the time you know twenty twenty two rolls around, uh, that COVID would be you know a horrible memory, but sadly it's still here, and it seems like it it seems like it has been weaponized. Um, and not so much biologically, but it has become a weapon of conservatives as much as it is a weapon for a liberal wing. It's like all the problems, you know, war, famine, injustice, poverty, and the problem of sin took a backseat, and this new kid on the block gets all the attention. Now, last time we left things off with COVID, we were somewhere around 50%. At, that's those who are at least have one dose, and 40% fully vaccinated. Think about it. 50% of uh, people who ever got a shot and 40% fully vaccinated. Uh, Now that's from the whole population. Today we're 67 at least one dose and 58 fully vaccinated. So about 20% uptick since last five months. Now, of course, if we count the eligible adults, then by July 4th, Biden did miss his goal of 70% of vaccinated eligible adults. But in reality, he wasn't very far off because I looked at the numbers and he was at that time, it was like 67%. So he was expecting 70. 67 is not that far off. Prior to, you know, July July uh, 4th, right, we had, uh, or on July 4th, we had 67% of people who were first time, you know, at least one shot received, they were vaccinated. So close to 70%, but not there. Um, and so now it's 80% of fully eligible adults who received at least one dose. But the fully vaccinated population has always remained low, which is 64%. Right. If we're talking about just the adults. But if you take the whole country, we're still like in the 50s. Yeah, but that's something that confuses me about these numbers a lot is like 
every time they introduce a booster, which apparently looks like it's going to be happening every six months or so if, if data on the, on the Pfizer vaccine is accurate. So every time there's a booster, does that mean vaccination rates go down to, what is it? Yeah, it goes back. Essentially, everybody resets to being just, you know, had at least one dose or whatever the thing is. Yeah, because they're not fully vaccinated at that point. Yeah. Now, we did cover that a few months back when the teens 12 and up were approved for vaccination. Now, the news this week is that uh, we need to get kids 5 through 11 vaccinated because now it's approved. Again, at this point, it's just like the adult vaccination. You know, it's not a requirement just yet. But what is likely to cause is that eventually because we're still only 40% fully vaccinated as a nation, right? That's if you count all the kids and everybody. Only 40%. Eventually, every school, every sports club, every kid-oriented place will probably mandate it for the safety of other kids who got the vaccine, right? So all the others need to be vaccinated. I'm personally just sad that such a quote-unquote good thing turned out to be such a divisive thing. I mean, it's quite surprising that something so life-saving should become so repulsive. And there are, of course, reasons... of concern, well, let me tell you, either the content is rotten or the delivery is messed up, as I'm looking like from a marketing perspective. In the end, there's something fishy about it. Well, how does something that started out as a protection for yourself, like, oh, if you're afraid of getting COVID, if you think you're actually at a risk, then take this measured risk of, of being vaccinated and protect yourself, right? But now it's like it's a check mark that you have to check off uh, in order to show that you're, you know, you're on the moral high ground, so to speak. If you think about it, like someone who's not vaccinated is less likely to spread the to spread COVID than someone who is vaccinated. Because, for example, I'm not vaccinated. I get sick. I feel sick and I stay home. Someone who is vaccinated, they could be carrying the disease, uh, but they don't feel anything because they protected themselves with the vaccine. So they're out and about. They're spreading the disease even more than people who are vaccinated. So the logical thing, right, would be to avoid getting vaccinated unless you actually think you're at a higher risk by getting COVID. Right. And there's a strong argument for people who are vaccinated and walk around spreading because not everybody's wearing those masks properly. I mean, like that's that a lot of times it's just a joke of how people wear the mask, right? So sure, you limit maybe the, the distance that your particles, but they still fly out and they still, anyways, we see where this is going. And I maintain that it should remain a personal choice of each family and they're, you know, fully right to decide what is what, what to do in regards to their health. And that forced vaccination uh, will probably build more resentment, discord, and could possibly lead to greater ills than the pandemic ever could. Now, at some point, we were talking about New York as a place where COVID passports were first implemented. Did you know that according to Living Snoqualmie, which is a place here in Washington, here's what they said. Uh, On October 25th, 2021, customers ages 12 and older are required to verify full vaccination or a negative test to participate participate in outdoor public events of 500 or more people and indoor entertainment and recreational establishments and events such as live music, performing arts, gyms, restaurants and bars so this is in king county in the state of washington on our side not too far away from us it's been now in effect for about 10 days now the interesting part is on the same day what is it new york no i'm talking about washington this is in king county now here's the funny part on the same day what is it called enumclaw how did you say i think it's i'm not positive but i think it's enumclaw enumclaw small town uh, they, on the same day, they decided to file and, and approved uh, this motion to, quote, 
seek legal counsel as to the possibility, process, and impacts of annexing a portion of one a portion of one county into another. And it was passed unanimously during the October 25th council meeting. Remember like the Oregon thing, how they wanted to become part of, uh, what is it? Uh, California. <laughs> no, they wouldn't be part of California. It was the... the Nevada. Yeah, they wanted to become part of Idaho. There you oh. go. Thanks, the Dennis. Geography major over here. <laughs> yeah. So isn't it interesting? It's here, right? And they went on to say that the question of secession has long since hung in the air, given that the fringes of King County tend to feel they're not well represented politically by the larger cities up north. I mean, it's been here, just not here. <laughs> we had to, in New York City, for example, like we tried to, we tried to reserve, I guess, the, you know, I don't really know how it works, reserve like a ticket to get to the top of the Rockefeller Center. Mm-hmm. And then once you get through the online process and at the very end when you're confirming your order, it's like, oh, by the way, you have to show proof of vaccination to enter inside. And there so you, you have to go through all the process of, of like trying to get a refund because like the money's gone. <laughs> but yeah, there are there are places in New York City like uh, like Brighton Beach. You can walk around and you know go through all the restaurants and stuff and like they don't care. But yeah, it, it seems like it's really working to separate people into different class i mean literally you're not gonna have life if you're not gonna uh, step into the new future if you will yeah well you'll have life it's just less privileged than than if you comply yeah here here's a, a glimpse into the future to somebody that i assume we look up to that's a video from china A positive COVID-19 test in China has sparked the temporary closure of a major theme park. Ian Lee is in London following this, as well as other international stories making headlines uh, today. Ian, you know, one thing about China is um, they've been dealing with sort of a handful of COVID spikes here and there. And when they catch a case, boy, they really sort of come down hard. Yeah, Marie, there is no messing around in China. And the happiest place on earth is closed. Well, it was in China and at Disneyland Shanghai where they shut down after, get this, a single COVID case was detected. Authorities banned anyone from leaving until nearly 34,000 people had been tested. Videos emerged across Chinese social media showing crowds of people waiting outside as health workers in hazmat suits conducted tests. The park did put on a fireworks show to keep folks entertained. State media estimates roughly 100,000 people had visited the park over the weekend. Health officials are now trying to track them down to test them as well. As you know, China has a zero-tolerance policy when it comes to the coronavirus. The country has taken strict measures to contain pockets of outbreaks, but it has also run afoul of business leaders who say the extreme restrictions have hurt them. Did you hear about that? No, but the idea of a zero-tolerance policy of any kind in China is terrifying they said those people must have another test 24 hours after the first and do the 12 days of self-monitoring if both tests come back negative according to a statement from shanghai disneyland so that's something you know like uh, (laughs) china has been well ahead you know with dealing with this pandemic because now it turned out that they are the source yeah i don't want to get flagged for misinformation but like it's yeah anyways yeah, so they kept 34,000 people in the park, locked it down until every single person would be tested on the way out. And then again, like I said, 12 hours after. 
Yeah, and then they're monitored, monitored and under surveillance. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Yep. that's crazy. That's like a small, small city. So that's maybe a preview of what's to come into every country. I don't know. We'll see. Last but not least, White House press secretary Jen Psaki on Sunday uh, said that she contracted COVID nineteen. Now, mind you, she probably has all the booster shots and had the vaccine. And so did Trump, and he also contracted COVID, right? And we're hearing about the breakthrough cases. That's why it's like th- there is some reason to waiting and just seeing how this will play out. But she said she was last in contact with the U.S. president on Tuesday where she met him in White House. You know, they kept their 1.8 meters, specifically 1.8, six feet apart. So, yeah, so sounds like she got the flu. Yep. Anyways, so COVID is still around like a piece of Velcro plant. Do you remember the Velcro plant? I don't know what el- how else to name it. I looked up online. I couldn't find it. It's like a plant that gets st- stuck to your clothes. In Ukraine, in Russia, you get that? Yeah. Oh, I think... I know what you mean, but... Maybe there is a word for it. Anyways, like that Velcro plant, like a leech. It seems to infect the minds much more than infects the bodies. And until we, until then, and until then, we must work together to ensure that we don't miss the important behind the urgent. Well, unless you've lived under the rock for the past few months, and you might have, you at this point must have realized that Biden decided to do something he said he never would. But hey, perilous times call for drastic measures or something like that. So now his, his idea is let's vaccinate all those who don't want it because that's the new ethical perspective on the next chapter of social dynamics evolution. And maybe not so new. I mean, people forced other people to do things that they thought would be beneficial just for that anyways. But it's an interesting one, an interesting chapter. So where we're at, we're at the point of history where um, you keep your job if you get a jab. Get that one? Good one. Yeah. That was your line, actually. (laughs) Anyways, besides uh, Biden requirements for healthcare workers to be vaccinated by October 18th, there was another one. Uh, the Fed, federal contractors had uh, until December 8th. So now, as of this week, I hear that it has been extended to January 4th, and I fall into that category personally. And um, it's a real thing. I mean, it puts pressure on people. And so I was looking at uh, something that the you know was highlighted in the media this week. And we're looking at this graph here. You can see the dip that happened in the 20. 20- you know, after 2019 going into 2020, there was a lot of layoffs, I guess, and all of that, right? So there was a huge dip dropping down from 150 million down to 130 million of workforce. And then since, uh, looks like since 2020, for the past maybe nine months or so, we've been on this climb, climb, climb. And recently, they've been celebrating that. Here, here's the quote according to Axios. The job market has added a stunning 531,000 jobs last month. The unemployment rate ticked down to 4.6%. I think that's from 4.8 of the previous month. A new pandemic era low. And they say why it matters? Well, America's job market recovery has been on track all along. So we're back to 80% of pre-pandemic normal. And by the way, we're going up and up before the pandemic hit, right? So now we're just trying to get to the same numbers that were there before Biden came in, right? I just wonder, looking at looking at this chart, how much the like all the new immigrants are accounted for, and people flooding the border right now. Because it, what it looks like is, oh yeah, here's all the people that are working in America, um, but it doesn't account for you know changes in population and things like that. But I don't know. Maybe that's a side note. 
No, and that's a good point. And in general, you know, like it's great to see the economy recover. I mean, what else do you expect if you're going to, you know, scale back? And again, this is considering the Delta had, you know, a little scare here not too long ago uh, in the beginning of October, September, that, that time. Uh, and still, you know, just recovering. We're expecting it to get to at least where it was before, right? But, but here's the thing. Here's the other side of what's happening or have been happening. So there's this other graph I was looking at, and it's uh, it shows a chart of people resigning from their jobs, leaving their jobs. And so, of course, you'd see a natural dip in 2020, right? But then ever since 2020, well, because 2020, even though there was like people not working, they weren't necessarily quitting or resigning. So there was not a lot of people at the, at the peak of 2020 resigning. But then as time went on, We've been going up and up and up like 50% since, since, um, since the beginning of the pandemic. And so that's another thing to consider that as we look at, okay, we're getting, you know, a lot more jobs injected into the economy. But you're also getting a lot of people uh, leaving their jobs because they're unable to either get vaccinated or can't get the exemption or whatever the reason may be. On November 3rd, here, here's an example of um, what's going on in New York, apparently. On November 3rd, they say there were only 55% of fire trucks available. The number, normal number, according to the sources, should have been at 90%. So we're talking about all of these people left their jobs because they disagreed with the vaccine mandate. This is New York. It's happening all over the country. You know, and I'm just picking this story, but almost every field has seen one to 5% of workforce leaving because of vaccine mandates. Now, to put it in perspective, only 0.2% of Americans have died from COVID-19 so far. That's what the data shows. As of today, as of November, only 0.2% have died. And we've lost, you know, from 1% to 5% of workforce because of what we're forcing right now on people. I was looking at the statistics. 18% of healthcare workers have quit their jobs during the COVID-19 pandemic, while another 12% have been laid off. And they're saying that those who kept their jobs during the pandemic, 31% considered leaving, right? I mean, it's not surprising because now you have to walk essentially almost in a spacesuit in a hospital environment, like you're wearing all sorts of masks and hoods and all that stuff. And also that 79% of healthcare professionals said the national worker shortage has affected them and their place of work. And that's according to Morning Consult. Yeah, these are all, um, this chart and, uh, and the statistics you bring up, these are pretty, these are pretty concerning. And I know that, uh, you know, this, this huge dip we see in people, uh, you know, people resigning from their jobs, uh, that number went way down as everyone, I'm assuming, was collecting unemployment. So no, no reason to quit, right? Um, or no, that's, if you're collecting unemployment, that means you got laid off. Yeah. You're, you're waiting to either be pulled back. Like my dad, for example, got laid off because of COVID. They said, Mm -hmm. we're going to bring you back. But the moment uh, his unemployment ended, nobody brought him in. But you never quit. Right. So that's right. Yeah. Okay. That's the caveat. So I feel like it's not all due to, you know, unemployment runs out after six months or something. And then you know, you quit mm. your job and by that time you would have developed some kind of side hustle or um, something to keep you afloat right. in that time, right? Because you're getting free money. Um, I'm not saying it's all related to that, but that, that, is, that could be a, a, an affecting factor. The thing is, people talk, about, um, people talk about your rights getting taken away, your freedoms getting taken away, and there's this, like, 
I feel like there's this weird fantasy where people are, you know, ordering ordering ammunition on Amazon or, or not on Amazon, but ordering ammunition online and mm-hmm. uh, kind of like uh, holding up in their house like, oh, let someone come and try to take, you know, my freedoms. But it's it's as subtle as this. It's as subtle as your boss being uh, coming up to you and be like, oh, like, hey, there's this new app. We're just, uh, you know, we're just trying to make sure everyone's safe and accounted for and um, you know, just, you know, register for this real quick and just, you know, have it on your phone, just have it handy. It's not a big deal, right? Um, it's as subtle as that. It doesn't need to be more. Everything that you've invested in your workplace really comes to shine because you, if you begin to have a confrontation with your boss about this, about these new measures, and you don't have good, uh, you don't have good relations with people, like you were not intentionally being kind to them and building good relationships and uh, being a light to them, you know, especially if you're a believer. And so people see this, it, it makes the difference between your coworkers uh, taking your side on this issue and actually, uh, and actually maybe potentially even changing, changing the mind of the person that's trying to implement this. That's what I've, I've kind of been thinking about. And like, mm-hmm. if you have the opportunity to, uh, to like, this is where the power of your statement comes in. It's not about your, your prideful stance where, you know, like, this is where it gets tested. Yeah. And, and I, in general, I think this time will redefine like a lot of things in our life, relationships with other people, relationships with the system, the government, uh, the employer, employer relations and all of that. Like it's, it's really going to challenge us. Absolutely. I think, I really do think this is a moment where uh, you have a chance to like have your ideals actually line up with what you do. Right. And it's a tough challenge. Anyway, so it's a cliche phrase, but let's remember the folks that were, you know, the first to take care of people during a crisis, which are the healthcare workers, right? Because they were the first ones to be hit by the effects of the forced vaccine as well. Let's keep them in our prayers. Welcome to the lightning round where we take uh, stories that didn't make it quite to the final cut, but um, we still think they're worth mentioning. So in this first story by the Epoch Times, China has debated attacking Taiwan-controlled islands, according to a top Taiwan official. Anybody trying to do war in the times of COVID is kind of not realizing what's going on with the whole world. Although it might, you can might take it the other way and say that because everybody's so focused on COVID, maybe it's time to attack them. Well, that's the thing. I, right. Because I, I was listening to someone kind of analyzing the whole... Uh, the tension between between China and Taiwan, and like it's it's a war of attrition that you don't have to fire a single shot for Taiwan to lose because every time uh, China does you know a flyby or whatever they send they send a few units out and mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of patrolling the area, Taiwan has to scramble and get ready for an attack, and that's causing them so much resources versus China where it's just a regular thing, and so like it's something that uh, it's a losing war. Huh? Yeah, it's just like kind the, of at the beginning. Yeah, and all this talk, all this news is just a taunting effect that's, like, although you may think nothing is happening, it's actually, like, it's actually bad for Taiwan. In a world of politics, uh, CNN's Van Jones made the remarks on election night, according to Christianity, uh, according to Christian headlines, uh, as Republicans were sweeping the three Virginia statewide offices, uh, the governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, and as New Jersey governor's race was closer than expected. Anyway, so here, here's, here's the actual quote of what he said. 
He said, I think the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize, that are annoying and offensive and seem out of touch in ways that I don't think show up in our feeds when we're looking at it in our kind of echo chamber, Jones said, holding his phone and referencing social media. And then he said, and I think this is a message here. So basically... It doesn't show up in your feeds because it's perfectly curated to make them look like they're on the right team and uh, and the other team is deplorable and in the wrong. Yep, and he called it like a fire alarm. You know, it's a five, five alarm something. Like th- that it's time, five alarm fire that it's time to reconsider. And it's like, well, it's kind of been the time to reconsider, you know, for the past five years or so. So, uh, so this is an article from Law and Crime, uh, Dan Abrams production. There was a major Second Amendment case on Wednesday, uh, which Supreme Court justices considered uh, whether to uh, whether to really loosen gun control restrictions across the county. And so um, there was a huge debate about whether New Yorkers should be able to carry firearms on the subway. And so, I mean... It's going to be an important case, I think. And the expectation is that it's going to be ruled in favor of the Second Amendment, right? No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. why shouldn't law-abiding people be carrying guns? Because then the, the only people carrying guns are the non-law-abiding, right? right. Uh, from the world of military, uh, you know, in our engagement, I guess it were So there was a review of the Pentagon c- conducted a review of U.S. drone strike that killed 10 Afghan civilians, including seven children in Kabul on August 29th. And according to NBC News, uh, they found that the video footage showed at least one child present two minutes before the strike was launched. And the review indicated the you know multiple issues, including execution errors. But while at the time of the hit, the strike team was unaware of the presence of children at targeted sites, at targeted site, the review found that surveillance footage from just prior to the missile showed at least one child. They reviewed the footage and. Uh, at least from what we know from now, the Air Force Inspector General did not recommend sanctions for those involved, but commanders do have the option of deciding on discipline or accountability. Yeah, that's a, that's an awful situation. I remember, um, you know, when WikiLeaks was was blowing up, and you have those you have that footage of people and uh, soldiers in a Black Hawk helicopter, and they're um, you think about the disassociation they feel um, in shooting at targets down down on the ground. And so this is another step taken away from disassociation. And so the well, drone, the, the thing the itself, drone strike is like a drone, like an actual drone, unmanned, delivered by one yeah. or more unmanned combat aerial vehicles or weaponized commercial unmanned aerial vehicles. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no one in it, but there's someone flying it, I would think. Say it again? There's no one in the drone. But somebody's operating. Somebody's, yeah, 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 somebody's flying yeah. it. So this week uh, is the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, this was the first week of testimony, and it's come to an end. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is the 18-year-old that was charged with homicide after he shot and killed two protesters uh, in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, in August of last year. Do you remember anything about that story? I do. I remember that people were really upset at the fact that he defended himself. And, I mean, people still are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, well, this is, by the way, this is from NPR.org. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just like with so many cases that blow up, um, there's a lot more to the story than meets the eye. Yeah. It, it, first of all, the case just started. And even just sensing, I, I don't know if comments mean anything, but under the video, right, there's a bunch of comments. And it, there was even a poll that most people are leaning that he's not guilty and that this case will, I mean, it's a self-defense case. Again, it's an unfortunate one. 
I don't know. We'll see what comes out. Maybe there's going to be some evidence that's going to come to the front that's, you know, lean otherwise. But that's something that's going to develop over the next uh, week. So it turns out Zillow, uh, a, a website that you'd probably go and look up at the price of a house or, you know, if you're looking for houses in your area. Well, this group uh, is looking to sell, or the company itself, looking to sell about 7,000 homes as it seeks to recover from a fumble in its high-tech income flipping business, according to Bloomberg Wealth. They're seeking roughly $2.8 billion for these houses, uh, which are being pitched to institutional investors, according to the people who are familiar with the matter. Uh, Zillow will likely sell the properties to a multitude of buyers rather than packaging them in a single transaction, said the people who asked not to be named because the matter is private. And Zillow didn't really comment on this. And it is surprising because Zillow is a pretty big name in the real estate business. I guess they wanted to. Yeah, it, it's almost like, poetic, honestly, with how they try to, uh, you know, latch on to this kind of get-rich-quick scheme and then it, it blows up in their faces. That's yep. So we really need to do a major story on this sometime. But um, So this is from The Federalist. Um, the title is, If Kavanaugh and Barrett betray pro-lifers, we must blow up the conservative legal movement. And so basically, um, you know, there's there's uncertainty in uh, any given court ruling that comes up. But, you know, people that I would think were specifically chosen because, uh, I mean, left-leaning people will say they were specifically chosen because they you can predict their stance on, on mm-hmm. things like abortion. And so we have, like, Kavanaugh and Barrett... Um, but now there's paranoia from, I think it's the author of this article. And well, for the big case coming up, the whole, you know, because I think Texas sparked that they're going to be considering the, that abortion case. And it seems like there's good reasons to believe that, that uh, at least it was something about their decision making at the present, the comments they made, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think somebody was talking about how it uses a loophole that, uh, that could be exploited in, in Democrat states. Uh, for things like 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 gun laws, and um, I guess we'll find out soon where they stand, uh, since that's coming up. <clears throat> so, I want to listen to this first. Um, apparently, and this is kind of out there. It's it's really bizarre and weird. So apparently, there's this Christian entertainment and media company. Check this out. Has released a new single that is performed by a virtual gospel artist made from AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, he was named JC. I wonder why. JC. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyways, created by this company from Georgia. Um, they found they were founded in 2013, and its vision is to captivate, cultivate, commission, and coach widespread audiences with solid expression of God's love through entertainment. So, anyways, last month they dropped its first single called "Biblical Love," which we're gonna take a listen at right. Now. fall so hard when your feet left the ground gravity don't make no sense when i'm around don't come up against yourself when demons in your head get loud i am here to help you and i'll turn them down you may be wondering where never found me you'll never see 
Again, cons- considering that the you know one of the stories we're going to be talking about today is is Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse, right? Uh, think of it in, the, in that context. I mean, this is literally a created character. You know, they put a lot of work to, into it. What did we say since two thousand sixteen or thirteen? Like it's they've been working on it for a while. So, uh, man, what a crazy world. Speaking of reality, in uh, the world of TikTok. I don't know why I said speaking of reality. (laughs) It's not a real world, but it it, it exists somewhere, right? Virtual reality. Um, This October month, uh, throughout the Halloween season, if you will, um, a disturbing trend was going on 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 TikTok um, under the hashtag witch talk. And like we were talking about like a 19.9 billion views and counting at the time of this article, which was written by New York Post on October 14th, right? So this is an older story. Mm-hmm. But it continued on all the way through, um, uh, what is it called? Halloween. And and the, I guess the disturbing part of it is this, is because you, you've got younger generation growing up, right? And uh, TikTok primarily today being the focus of, of younger people, much younger. We're talking about teenagers and maybe into 30s at most. Uh, e- you now have all of these witches and 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 uh, sorcerers making it look like it's a normal part of life, right? And it does have a certain appeal in it. I mean, that's what the article was saying that there is like this appeal towards something, you know, ancient and and it's a different subculture and people who don't really fit into the standard religion groups, right, um, tend to find themselves a a refuge, a nice place, you know tend to find themselves a group to connect and associate with. And so it is kind of disturbing that so much of uh, this evil sorcery is being presented as a, you know, just a lighthearted daily kind of thing to millions and millions of teenagers nowadays. Yeah, I just feel like um, for a lot of people that are atheists and yet uh, subscribe to some of these, you know, these pagan interests and things like astrology and the irony is not lost on us. So this is an article from Christian headlines, um, in entertainment news. So CS Lewis, um, so there's a movie about CS Lewis that grossed $1.2 million in its first night, uh, placing it second behind Dune, which did really well. Is it Um, in theaters right now? The CS Lewis movie? Yeah. So there's, it's, it's like an extended release, um, through, it's in theaters through November 18th. Mm. And so I think, I think it's comparable to something like, uh, like you went and watched uh, Case for Christ, right? Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, it was fine. I think it was overhyped. Um, looking at it retrospectively, it was, it was good, great production, but the movie itself did not realize the content. Um, well, and I guess you, you do have a limited time, <laughs> so. I don't expect, but but again, whenever Christian movies are being played in theaters, that's that's a that's a win for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I guess recently I, I saw maybe like a few weeks ago or so there was a question about hold on so you know the the what is it called SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule that goes up into you know space station takes the astronauts there been making these trips and there's not a ton of space in there right it's all fancy seating you know touchscreen panels and so the question was asked where's the toilet and it's actually in front of them there's this little area you kind of just spin around and do pull the little curtain if you want but it's like right there i mean it's it's literally within a few feet of where the rest of the people are doing their touch screens and stuff and so the news this week from Space World is that apparently there's some issues with the with the toilet, and uh, it looks like they're going to have to wear um, or rely on, according to CNN Business, um, special undergarments because it takes about two three hours to descent, mm-hmm. right? So for the two three hours there, they're going to have to hold it or you know, just in case there's the undergarments. So space diapers. Yeah, but you know, they're astronauts, so. Oh, okay. They get a pass. Special, yeah. Anyways. Well, in other things that we can't believe is news, um, there's an article from NBC News talking about Aaron Rodgers and his... Uh, Who is Aaron Rodgers? Uh, he's he's a famous football player. I think he's been in the league for, I don't know, at least 10 years. And so he... Uh, <laughs> people are really mad about his deception because when asked if he was vaccinated, he said, yes, I'm immunized. So I think what he meant by that is that he, he had COVID or something. So he has antibodies, but he was just skating by not wearing masks or anything. And this is obviously newsworthy and outrageous. How dare he? Well, guys, welcome back to the program. We have, uh, we have a couple more major stories for you and we're glad that you made it this far. Give yourself a pat on the back, honestly. Yep. So something that's maybe we're a little bit late to this because this happened last week, right? Chief executive of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, he announced a new company name for, um, I guess, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, uh, all that stuff that he right. owns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he also took this opportunity to announce the development of a new metaverse, uh, which is, I guess, in keeping of the new name they chose, which is Meta. That's the bombshell, I think. Not the name change, which, I mean, I've heard people compare it to, like, I've heard people talking about, like, this is a way for him to av- avoid PR disasters and to deflect scandals, you know, kind of like how Google has uh, Google has Alphabet. And so Alphabet stocks are not affected right. if some, you know, Google gets in hot water. because like separated. People, yeah, they don't make the association. Because um, Facebook will remain Facebook, right? From what I understood. I think so. I think, I think the parent company is changing, but Facebook remains like, well, maybe it will morph eventually. Yeah, I think Facebook remains unchanged, but Meta is, uh, because of this metaverse that they're creating, like it's just, it's going to like absorb everything else into it. It's going to become part of it. Right. Um, but as there's a new parent company, there's a new parent project. Have you spent time uh, like watching these videos that they're releasing? I, I saw the one, that, the first one, you know, because it probably appeared in everybody's feed. Um, like if you're on Facebook, you're getting this Zuckerberg like hour long video, and we we watched it with my wife almost completely through. Oh, okay. I kind of like skipping around here and there and just paying attention to certain things because it was it was unique. I don't know which one exactly you're talking about, but the, on their YouTube channel, uh, I encourage people to check it out. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. There's there's a whole bunch of different ones, um, and so what metaverse is. Uh, evidently is it's it's just a huge virtual reality world um you could like you can basically teleport yourself into any location you can teleport yourself into chat rooms um you can teleport you can 
time travel, apparently. Like, you can go... Like, he was talking about how you can go back to ancient Rome or something. You can watch uh, buildings being constructed, you know? Like, it's kind of interesting, though. The videos that he was showing was... Like, if you wanted to play diversity bingo, <laughs> just go, go and, like, turn on all those videos at once, and you'll spot, like... When he showed the ancient Roman thing, he, like... There's, like, black people there. There's uh, gender-neutral people. There's, like, the only relationship they show is, is, a, is a lesbian one. And so, obviously, it's hugely infused. And that's what I think is actually, like, super dangerous because if everyone is immersed in this, in this virtual world where the developers are essentially, they're creating it from scratch. I mean, sure, they're mm -hmm. basing it to, uh, to make it familiar, to make people be able to relate to it, but... I think that's a big part of it is that people are going to be immersed in this world and it's purely fictional. It's purely created from scratch. And so that's why you have, you know, you have different videos that they were showing on that channel. Uh, there's one where it talks about education. Mm -hmm. And so basically like you can go to school essentially in this virtual world that's just created by code. It, it's an augmented reality um, experience. So you, remember, you, you read, read uh, Ready Player One, right? Or yes. they saw the movie, right? yeah. Like I, uh, there, there's a clear correlation between the two, right? Like I mean, um, and and again, this is not probably when I just first saw it, I was like to my wife, I I wonder if they really like discovered another way to alter your senses, right? Because we're still talking about a headset. You got to wear a headset or glasses, maybe lenses at some point, but you're not gonna trick your senses. We still have like the 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 nervous system that's still not there. You still realize you're you're well, in the room. Well, I remember I haven't seen the movie. Neither um, have but, I. Oh, okay. Read the book though. <laughs> yeah, read the book. And he has like a like yeah. a skin suit thing where he basically like it's I don't it, recall, it has all these yeah. it mm -hmm. has all these different uh, nodes in it where he can he feels like he's actually right. there, you know. What was striking, I guess, about about Ready Player One is how much people lose touch with reality. And so mm -hmm. I think like in a sense that's like that's the next nineteen eighty four. Um mm -hmm. and like we make all these comparisons now, but but one of the things I was looking at, so we look at it, we, our generation, millennials, uh, we look at it and we're like, mm, yeah, that's weird, you know. But then consider my kids, you know, and that's, that's what we were talking to my wife. Like, consider our kids. They're growing up in a world, you know, for us, for example, looking through a screen as a window into the Internet is completely natural. Like, we're all on our phones looking, you know, you're probably listening to a podcast on your phone right now. Like, we're used to the fact that through a screen we can enter into this world. Mark Zuckerberg is looking forward and he's considering Gen Z. For them, this next step is going to be as probably seamless as for us it was to go from handheld phones to, like, internet dial-up and then finally having internet, you know, like, on your phones. Like, that kind of thing. For us, the transition, we grew into it. For these kids who are growing up, they're playing games already. They already know what it's like to be in a virtual world. Now you're just saying instead of a window, instead of a TV in your room, instead of your iPad that you're holding, it's going to be brought a bit closer to you. And they're already used to hanging out in these virtual worlds. So for them is where the direction of this company is going. It's, it's focused on the next generation. And imagine the kids of those kids, they're going to be completely submersed into this. So yeah. they're really doing a, it, it's like a tricky little thing, but it is, it, it's a strategic move, I guess. It's, it's interesting to think about, like, uh, it's such a perfect ploy to keep people recluse and separated and divided, you know, like, uh, you spend so much time even looking at a screen, but what if you were 
inside that screen, how hard would it be? You know, like how hard is it to unglue yourself from a screen as you're playing video games or, or watching a, like a really good show? And once you take that extra step, right, man. At which point do you lose the sense between, like at which point your reality is more realized? Well, your experienced reality is realized more in the virtual world than it is in the real world, right? Yeah, and that's the thing is we've talked uh, in the previous season, we talked about how uh, social media, these giants, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, they're they're becoming like a parallel government almost. And, you know, if you're if they can get you just, you know, just be a good little droid, play your game. You know, it gives your brain all the chemicals it needs and stuff. It, it's kind of like that philosophical dilemma where you uh, you have this machine where it gives you uh, like a constant sensation of pleasure. Like, mm-hmm, would you plug mm-hmm. yourself in? Mm-hmm. And if you were plugged in, how would you ever convince yourself to unplug? You You just become pacified by this. And so like, yeah. I just feel like as as members of a church, right, like the body of Christ, how how do we react? Because isn't it kind of hypocritical to make calls, you know, to, you know, fully abstain from this, uh, be technological skeptics, um, you know, where it's really only a couple steps away from uh, different ways we spend time now. Like, you know, living vicariously in, you know, video games, social media, even things like books, like everything that you everything that you intake, it becomes a part of your, um, the world that's in your mind, like your, your abstract world. And so in a sense, like, I think that's fair because like you, I, I, I don't believe that we're born as clean slates and we definitely don't die as clean slates. I don't know. How can you live your life without, without just being able to pick and choose? There is a fear reaction right now. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that jumping on it and, you know, eventually just chopping off the whole thing with the root is oftentimes the knee-jerk reaction of Christian environment. But we need to understand that sometimes it's essentially the same thing, like you said, books or, you know, our audiobooks or, or videos that we watch. It's just the form has changed. And so the guidelines probably stay the same. How do we spend our time? Where are we spending on time? You know, and we kind of need to understand that, you know, one of the things we joke with my wife is that it's like, man, think about all the future uh, virtual evangelists, that will need to go out into these chat rooms, right? Join with their avatar and really, you know, speak into the lives of these people. That might be, a, you know, a thing in the future. And the other aspect that I was thinking about is uh, the... So watch, today we shop online. We go on, like, you know, pull up eBay and you buy something or you go to Amazon. The idea here is that now you would be buying things there as well. So you could go to your favorite store and actually buy physical products. But here's the next level. You know, with the rise of... We're we're back to NFTs. Yeah, with the rise of NFTs, now you're talking about people valuing digital skins or digital objects in the game, you know, at a level of an actual physical object. And so there will be limited edition stuff. For example, you know, if you go and join this room or this concert, you get this badge and you won't get it any other. I mean, you could get a copy of it. It will look exactly the same. But everybody who walks in will know that that's a fake thing because of whatever digital signature that comes with it. So there's this huge commercial aspect to it where if you're considering 3D design right now, whether it's for games or, or, or doing cartoons, you might have a really good job going forward, you know, building these 3D models, 3D objects that, you know, for sale in that's, this virtual metaverse. That's what the whole world will consist yeah. of when we're all immersed in it, right? And people have been already kind of putting more value on a edited picture than on an actual reality in their life, right? So again, not a new concept. I don't know. Just because it's a progression of, of a concept that's already bad and then it's like, oh, it's just like a little extra step. Like I feel like the... Uh, the idea of being immersed and being uh, like taking an extra step to separate yourself from reality like that's 
that's pretty dangerous. I think it's really key to point out that if you don't spend time right now with, you know, with the technology that we have, with the kind of vapid distractions that we have, uh, if you don't spend time right now renewing your mind in the word, you know, this news about Meta, it's a sign that it will never be easier to do that than it is today and right now. Like, yeah, I got to agree. There is, there, is some, there is a level of disturbing to it that, that just shakes you a bit, yeah. Yeah, and I just feel like saying that, oh, it's just another extra step. Well, it's an extra step in, in a direction that's not good for the human race at all, right? But there is an element to being so out of touch with everyone around you that is also not good. Like, people are going to be looking at uh, people abstaining from the metaverse as, like, like, we look at Amish today, you know? Mm. Like, yeah, I'm not passing into judgment on Amish people, uh, but... You know, there there are people that look and say, like, oh, they have their heads in the sand. Like, how are they so out of touch? Like, the separation is, is a divide that keeps you from connecting to people. But I'm going back to my previous point. The Book of Romans calls us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. If you think, uh, if you think about it, like, that's kind of like an augmented reality. Like, you view your life through the lens of God's Word, through uh, inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Like, that's an augmentation that you build with the renewing of your mind and like rather than through the lens of uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates Microsoft is in on this too now and all their developers you know that's kind of the key point here and Mark Zuckerberg so he doesn't get mad at me there's in those videos he looks lively and fresh as a daisy and definitely not lizard like (laughs) 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 did you know that meta in Hebrew means dead and so in the first day after Zuckerberg released it, the Hebrew guy, or the, the Jewish people, you know, they were all over the um, mm. him. They're like, what? Did you ever check with the international, you know, whatever you call it? He, seem, yeah. he seems to know because he's talked about how the Greek word for meta is like after or beyond. Right, right. And the Greek word is the one you want to go for. And that makes sense. Um. I don't really know how to transition into this, but you are familiar with Kanye's Sunday services, right? Primarily white clothes. Yeah, the, whether you call it concert, Choirs. event, religious, mm-hmm. religious gathering. Uh, yeah. So he's been doing it, what would you say, since he dropped the Jesus is King album late 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when Kanye began these services, this was at least nominally or ostensibly, like this was his moment of giving his life to God. Um, and he began to like unapologetically and, you know, with seeming consistency, uh, profess his Christian faith, right? Now, even when that was going on, there was people left and right, you know, either criticizing or cheering, either being skeptical or being hopeful. Um, You know, we kind of did the same thing in season one when Justin Bieber released his Christian album. Mm -hmm. I guess, like, what I'm I'm getting at is uh, when I saw this in the news, it honestly kind of shocked me. Uh, But now there has been people reacting to it in all sorts of ways. October 31st, he, it was Sunday, and he had a Sunday service. Nothing new, right? But it's also Reformation Day. It's Halloween, but it's Sunday. You know, we're here to worship the Lord, the God of light. Um, you know, Kanye goes up to the podium. Justin Bieber's there, too. Um, let's take a listen. Here's what it sounded like. God, thank you for your people. Thank you for your people. Thank you that you leave the 99 for the one. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that we could never be more loved than we are right now in this moment. And to complete the trifecta, 
like a twist in a strange dream, Brian Warner, also known by his stage name as Marilyn Manson. He doesn't say anything, but he stands with his eyes closed as Justin Bieber prays, maybe nods a little bit. Um, what do we make of this? Do I so I saw the video, and when you look at the video, you you notice the eyes, and he's been you know in pop culture, I guess you know his his eyes are recognizable because they look <laughs> satanic. Uh, uh, you know they they look dark, they mm. look uh, creepy. Well, he has the heterochroma, or whatever it's called. I th- I think that's like like an eye disease. Yeah, I think my oh. brother in law has that too. Where he has one brown eye, one green. But that's besides the point. They, he does put makeup on that makes him stand out and look a bit creepy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, because he hasn't really been relevant for quite some time. He's, like, in his 50s now. Mm. Um, I I do remember, I mean, I don't remember the Columbine High School shooting. Um, but, you know, I was kind of looking into the fallout of that and, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the interviews and, you know, people legit, like, personally blamed him for that. And you think about how the Christian world reacted to, and you know, there was uh, picket lines and protests, uh, personally blaming him for it. And obviously, like he's, if our audience is familiar, I, that's the thing is like, yeah, and you're right. It's it's more, I guess, older folks us looking at it, kind of like, okay, there's there's a bit more here than just you know awkward and weird. While for yeah, like you said, for younger kids, it might look like, or teens, it might look like, oh, look, it's a great redemption story, like this creepy guy, you know became a Christian yeah, by the mere fact that he's you know, singing with them or, or nodding to the prayer, like you said. There's so many people growing up that haven't been immersed in a culture where mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. super influential, I would say. Like, uh, for people who don't know, like Marilyn Manson is... Uh, oh, he was openly uh, subscribed to the Satanic Church, like he was representing it at some point. And of course, his songs so, reflect that as well. Absolutely. You know, burning Bibles at his concerts... Um, things that would make WAP look pretty mm-hmm. tame, you know? Like, And so why is he here? Like, did, has he made a statement of, you know, repenting and becoming a Christian? Or is this some kind of publicity stunt? It almost like, I know there's people on both sides right now. They're saying like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. You know, Kanye's, uh, Kanye's really being a, an apostle and bringing these uh, awful people uh, to Christ. And, and then there's other people saying oh, like, oh, this is a publicity stunt. Um, because he's had allegations come up uh, against him in the Me Too movement, and um, especially in this last couple of years, that's the thing. I don't know what to make of this. I th- I, I think that there's 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 this line that we can lose uh, authenticity when we put a lot of effort into presentation. So obviously, Kanye, you know, who knows what his heart is like, but let's let's assume that he is inclined to reach out to God or God is reaching out to him and there's something going on there, possibly in the right path. Uh, it, let's say that would to, there were to be true. Uh, he does still, as an artistic person, put a lot of effort and and in work into how it looks, right? And how it looks to the world specifically, right? And uh, I think that in doing so, he probably is going to end up in the same place where the Historically, the church with all its ornaments and, you know, growing list of uh, ordinances and, and, you know, traditional way of doing things overgrown eventually to where uh, the truth is so. being pushed out. Because the only thing that will survive is, is these images and these, right. these performances. Right. I, I could see it being that. Um, like specifically regarding Marilyn Manson. So they had an interview with his spokesperson. And so 
basically uh, he was being a little bit coy about it. And so when asked, is, is Marilyn Manson a Christian now? Uh, he replied, that's nobody's business. And that's it. You know, so was that Kanye replying? Now? No, this was this oh, was so Marilyn Manson's spokesperson, mm-hmm. um, whoever, you know, publicity manager. I don't, I don't know the exact term, but if you've listened to interviews of Marilyn Manson talking, uh, he's one of the most well-spoken people I've ever encountered. We were talking about silver, as lot of silver tongue, like yeah, that guy is really eloquent. And so, if he had something to say, I feel like he's more than capable of saying it. Like making a statement about like at least addressing you know some of the things that he's uh, that he's done and the influence that he's had. I think like with all of them, uh, all of the celebrities coming to God. But we're lo- first of all, we're excited. Anybody who's following after Jesus or even declaring that they are going after Jesus, that's a great step, regardless of how they look or who they are, because if they truly will meet Jesus, we know that the Holy Spirit will work in their lives and will bring them to the truth, and there will be a transformation. Right? There will be that upward sanctification, this progress in their life. There will be some sort of a fruit produced if the Holy Spirit is in the heart of that person and working. And so really with all of these, you know, they can claim, everybody can claim, we can, we can be excited about the fact that there is a shift towards that. But really what, you know, we would like to see is that there's sound theology present and that the Holy Spirit is truly transforming these individuals to leave behind sinful lifestyles and to live now as not as but but following the lord christ as the lord and not just the savior absolutely and i think uh you know something to always come back to is that you'll know them by you will know them by their fruits mm-hmm. and you know at least with kanye we saw you know he dropped the album uh, he started doing these sunday services he started uh, you know he's he he made his conversion in into something truly spectacular uh something that the world couldn't miss you know yeah, I, I think there's also danger of association where even like the next generation looking at this and because yeah, association is not the same thing as a relationship. Just because he has appeared next to these two men who would at least claim to say that they're Jesus followers, uh, we're too quick to say that, oh, maybe he is. At this point, it's just all speculation. But hopefully it doesn't paint the message that, you know, uh, just because somebody appeared in Christian circles now all of a sudden makes them on the path to Christianity or even in any way agreeing with what Christianity is about. There's a quote by St. Augustine uh, that I came across earlier today is that there is no saint without a past, no sinner without a future. And so I think that could ring true in Marilyn Manson's life. I just think there's some cases where it would be oblivious to take it at face value. I guess at this point we read Philippians 1 and, and sit back and, and watch the Sunday service. Well, that's all for the stories for this week. We are so glad you've joined us for another episode of Life Ring. We're excited about this next uh, season. Please consider following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, all you have to do is just type in Life Ring Podcast. In fact, whenever you forget how to find us, go to Google. Life Ring Podcast, that's us. Also consider sharing it with a friend or family member that would benefit from a weekly overview of the current events from a conservative and Christian perspective. And as always, we would like to remind you that there is no better news on any given day than the good news of Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world so that everyone who comes to him would be saved. We encourage you to seek him if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to Life Ring, and we will see you next week. See you. See you.